Dear listener, welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Weekend at Crombies. And this month, we'll be reviewing Muses. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Weekend at Crombies. I am Hugh. Sitting makes me antsy. I like living chancy. And my name's James Evans Esquire, and I'll do anything for an increase of ten cents in the dollar. There we have it. As you may guess from the uh, idioms we are spreading around... (laughs) (laughs) Call me an idiom. (laughs) This evening's film will be Newsies. The uh, the musical Disney film about industrial action and child labour in the late 19th century. Nothing says box office flop more than Disney musical about industrial relations in the late 19th century. (laughs) But as Weekend of Crumbies shown, the box office knows nothing. We know plenty. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. So let's yeah. let's kick off into it. So as we mentioned, uh, Newsies is a Disney film. It's a musical, um, and it's set in 1899 in New York. The the overarching premise. Oh, sorry, sorry. Let me just correct you. Uh, let me just correct you there. Correct me. It's away. set in New York. I, I do. I, I should have added the caveat. Yes, we may be attempting the accent at certain places in the <laughs> in the recording because because uh, the accents is very strong, and sometimes they might just bleed through. Uh, it might well. As as we said, it's 1899, New York, and the overlying um, narrative is that the newspaper barons uh, are in a boom, and the only way for the entire city to get its newspapers is the grubby hands of the newsies, who are these sort of street urchin newspaper sellers. They're the ones you see in all the films that shout extra, extra, read all about it. And this, these are they're generally urchins, they're homeless, usually have no parents, or possibly orphans. They live by their wits, and that's, and the economics of it is that none of these newsboys are employed by the newspapers. They're all independent contractors, mm-hmm. if you will. It's their job to buy yeah. newspapers in bulk, and they sell them. And while they don't sell, they just have, they've got to absorb the cost. So uh, they really do have to live on their wits, and they live... Uh, penny a day and this kind of stuff so that's the, there, are, there are a lot of them as well aren't there there are a lot of, well, a lot of newspapers there are a lot of it's a proto-internet really the newspapers in these days aren't they so you've got to imagine everyone in new york yeah. needs a newspaper <clears throat> so everyone in new york needs a newsie yes that's true and i suppose it was at the birth of kind of the the mass production of newspapers as well the, the late 19th century and uh, it's it's certainly part of that kind of burgeoning industry yeah the fact that the two the two names they mentioned were the two great newspaper magnates hearst and pulitzer um which mm. again are names are known today as being the, the two big newsmen of america that uh, kind of cements yeah. the fact this is this is newspaper boom time but anyway so we open uh, with a song and dance where we're introduced to the newsies who kind of they get out of their flop house and march their way down to pick up their papers uh, amongst there's the there's usual yeah. cast of uh, cheeky chaps, uh, amongst which is uh, the the lead character amongst the newsies whose name is Jack Kelly, played by a very young Christian Bale. Um, Jack is more yeah, so, yes, yeah. very young Christian Bale. Yeah. He's he's post Empire of the Sun, so he's not completely boyishly young, but he's certainly pre um, American Psycho. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he was in. He's in that. Um, you're right, because I, I know it, I knew him at that time from Empire of the Sun. Yeah. So I knew him as a younger person yeah. and a slightly older person. And there's a kind of like this this 
period in between those two films, which I didn't know much about what he was doing. And here he is, he turns up in Muses, yeah. looking fresh-faced, but, you know, slightly kind of late teenager um, looks and, and kind of swagger. Yeah, he isn't in there as a bit menacing for a, for a, for a child. That's yeah, he's yeah. certainly got swagger, hasn't he? Yeah. Swagger. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not menacing in the scary, but he's, 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 a, he's a tough kid. Um, and so, yeah, so he's, Jack... Yeah, he's, he's, he's a tough... Yeah. yeah, he is kind of the unofficial ringleader of the little little newsies band we're watching. He's certainly the the the, the savviest, the the strongest, the smartest. Uh, he'll stand up to uh, Mr. Weasel, who's the uh, the newspaper distributor. They mm. they pull the old joke of a person's name being Weasel um, and Weasel. That seems to get done a lot in American films. It's like the highest in the bouquet gag. Uh, so Mr. Weasel is, uh, <laughs> is is known as the Weasel. Um, <laughs> And, and yeah. that's pretty much the premise. Is newsies have to live by their wits. They, you know, the the newspaper vendors are are leaning on them. The streets are tough. They've got to sell all their newspapers. And we're introduced to various cast of characters. One of them's got an eye patch. One of them's got a crutch. One of them is good at betting things. And they, they, each one has a distinctive characteristic. And there's a lot of child actors doing this. Someone dance routines down the streets. Yeah, there is. Yeah. It's kind of the, it's the first. Very, it's very um. Bugsy Malone-esque. I was going to say, it, 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 it has that Bugsy Malone style, partly from being, again, New York and all the child actors. I, I, again, the yeah. thing that I yeah. noticed was different is in Bugsy Malone, they're all playing adults, whereas yes. in this, they're actually playing children. That's right. Playing children. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can That's... I can see where this got made into a musical later on. It's, because it's got that feel to it, though, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a drama teacher's dream, though, because it's a, it's a musical full of kids, so you can just, oh. you can just cast it as much as you like. <laughs> it is. Actually, you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, it's, it's a drama teacher's yeah, I would say wet dream probably, but there you go. <laughs> that's that's my just that's me lowering the tone as usual. It is. Let, to continue, the first inciting incident of the plot is when um, Jack <laughs> Kelly literally bumps into um, a sort of a new face in town, which was uh, David, who's uh, he's he's about the same age as Jack, but he's a lot smarter dressed, and he's a he's a lot. Uh, more put together he's he's clearly new at this kind of stuff and his younger brother who his name escapes me either way uh, david is again the older brother he has come to start selling newspapers he's going to support his family because his father's been injured but he's there to learn about how to sell newspapers jack kelly basically takes them both under his wing partly because he sees the angle of this younger brother having such an adorable face he can sell newspapers quite easily so this is where we get kind of an insight into how newspapers how the newsies operate and this kind of stuff so mm. we he is yeah. our eyes into the operation um, and there's a bit of, you know, running around the streets selling this kind of stuff. We learn that Jack is on the run from kind of a, pri- a prison for youths because he's escaped from it and the policemen are chasing him. They uh, they hide out from the law in, in a musical and apparently Jack is friends with a probably a approaching middle-aged musical da- singer and dancer yeah. called Meta, um, who's, who kind of owns this musical and is very well taken with the Newsies. Now there's probably nothing... Um, yeah. Nothing... Let's, think, let's leave it at that. Yeah, let's leave it at that for now. Yeah. Because um, it's 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 a I think it's quite an uncomfortable role. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll probably I'm come not, back to sure. Meta. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is with Meta. Meta is is the the kind of the person who owns and runs and stars in this musical. Is played by Anne Margaret, who again was a huge musical mm. star in the sixties. Um, and was very much played as a sex symbol back then. She was by yeah. my birdie and this kind of stuff. So yeah, the introduction of her into a children's musical where she's interacting with them and kind yeah. of, you know, fluffing the hair with her bow and this kind of stuff is something to return to. But there's that. Um, there is that, yes. But the plot doesn't serve that. And then Jack goes home and meets the, the Meyer family, or the, the Jacobs family, and is they're very taken with them. He meets um, the, the kind of the, is that's love interest, which is Sarah, David's sister. 
um, and this kind of business. So he, he sees what a real family is, but then he goes off and sings about how he, he has no family of his own, and all he wants to do is get away to Santa Fe. Jack Kelly's big thing is he dresses like a cowboy and is dreaming of getting away to the West and escaping the city. Um, in fact, I think it's point he's... Yeah. he's, he's to, to, to yeah. the, the expanse of the West, the fresh air, the sun, uh, the size of everything. Yeah, he's also telling everyone that his parents are already out West and they will send for him when they get some money. This is fairly an obvious lie, but it, it doesn't come out until later on in the film. But um, the real the real meat of the film begins when we cut to Joseph Pulitzer, again, one of the great big newspaper magnets, played by Robert Duval, who is um, yep. essentially looking for ways to, to fight his competition, George Hurst. And the way he does that is he needs to make money so he can increase circulation. And rather than increase the cost of his newspaper, they decide to gouge the cost of, to the newsies. They will charge, instead of charging the newsies 50 cents for 100 papers, they'll charge them 60. So that's he adds that up and says that will make a lot of money for him. And they, you know, they can do nothing about it. So the next day when the newsies go up to buy their papers and find that they're making an awful lot less per paper, they find themselves a bit stuck until both Jack and David rally the newsies into essentially a strike action. And, and that's when the, the whole yeah, plot kicks yeah. off, is there's a, a great big uh, strike action. They rally more newsies to their cause. They get them from <laughs> Bronx in Brooklyn. And, yeah. um, including yeah. a very complicated they thing. Carry the banner, they, they, they carry they, the banner. They carry the banner. They carry the banner. Carry the banner being yeah. what they used and, to be called selling the paper. Now it's a, it has its own meaning. Yeah, exactly. And it, what, what's interesting, so they they obviously withdraw their labour. Yeah. But part of the principle here is that they're obviously children, so it's child labour. Yeah. And it's part of that kind of that process, that world that they live in, in the sense that um, at this point in time, we've got a situation where children are going on strike <laughs> through a kind of unionised process, which is interesting. But but what's 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 crazy about it is it's a true story yeah yeah we did mention that it is a true story of what happened yeah um the character of jack kelly is a is a construct but there are but the real things happened there yeah there was there was a strike um there was a newsy strike in in and around that time um quite bonkers really yeah and and it follows out as you imagine a strike was um all the all the newsies eventually rallied to their cause they actually have a fight with um some adult male strike breakers with kind of brick bats and uh and broken table yeah. legs who come yeah. at them and they have a, an actual punching and kicking fight um they they hold a rally which is broken up by the police um jack kelly is then arrested and and dragged back right. to the um to the what they, call it? They, they call it reform whatever it was it's into the to the child prison the bustle he's been held in and yeah and yeah. Joseph Pulitzer actually has a one-to-one with him and offers him basically enough money to get out of the, the town if he will join him, which he briefly does. Yeah, yeah. They call it the refuge. The refuge. That's, that's, it. that's um, what it is. So Jack yeah, Kelly's briefly. Refuge, and it's where. Yeah, he's incarcerated there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he briefly again turns sides um, until he notices uh, Sarah Jacobs is set upon by two of the goons of, uh, of Mr. Weasel, um, who basically drags her off to an alley and with the intention of. Uh, basically assaulting her and then beating up her brother David uh, so he can't walk anymore. Um, which, yeah, so which it's, again, it's, this is a Disney family out. film. Oh yeah. Yeah, but um, but it is. It's, it's, it's all very. It's it's all very um it's all very kind of light as it were. But it's as well, it's it's light as two it, 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 two fully grown no two aged you know, fairly like eighteen ninety year old teenage boys dragging a girl after an alley, <laughs> throwing her on the ground and then beating up her yeah, brother. It's yeah. as light as that can be. Yeah, it's. Uh, this, I, I did occur to me that. 
we'll go on. It occurred to me that, you know, in the same way that Back to the Future was light when Biff locked Lorraine in a car and started sexually assaulting her, was seen as a bit of family fun. It, it, yeah. was, it, was, the, it was the early 90s and possibly people hadn't put two and two together yet. Maybe this is not what you have as no. the inciting incident. But anyway, this, this is what, certainly enough to bring um, Jack Kelly back into the fold and he, you know, he beats up the goons and now he's back in back with the, the strikers and they, they go through to their final thing. We should have mentioned that uh, during this whole strike action, a, an independent newspaper man um, played yeah. by Bill Pullman um, has taken interest in their cause cool. and has been championing them. Uh, he too has actually been pulled back um, by his newspaper masters saying, so yeah, they, they take him off the story and kind of he and then lets the boys down saying, I can't cover you anymore. But at, at this point now, they've all pulled themselves the, together. Yeah. And the principle here is that as the strike develops and as the, 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 the news is, as the children get more and more, I suppose, power or exposure and it becomes more and more obvious to um joseph pulitzer that the strike is impacting on his profit margin um he decrees that the papers won't report anything about the strikes because as soon as it becomes public knowledge it there's a groundswell of support yeah. so they withdraw completely any of the reporting so bill pullman's character brian denton who's the, the the reporter who is you know supporting the strike and writing about the strike doesn't get any of his articles published and then he's basically moved away from um that particular newspaper to go and do war correspondence so this puts this puts the the news in a bit of a bind because on the one side um there is a groundswell of support, but on the other, the communication isn't getting out. Yeah. And in the meantime, Jack Kelly is being put back in the refuge and things are falling apart a little bit. He comes back out again. Um, Bill Paul, they, they persuade Brian yeah, but, Denton. Yeah, that this, actually, this, this is their lowest moment then. So the, uh, Brian Denton, yeah. Bill Pullman, the reporter, has pulled out. He can't cover them anymore. Jack has gone yeah. to the refuge. It seems like all of them, the newspapers aren't even covering it no matter what they do. They're, they're, the strike has gone on and on, and it seems like there's nothing can be done about it. Yeah. Um, and it is at this point there, they, <laughs> actually, the instigating moment is they find the story that um, Brian Denton couldn't publish about the strike and wrapped That's in a right. bit of hot dog <laughs> um, which the, yeah. the young guy yeah. had put in his pocket and then they realise that's the words that can that can um, bring them all up. They find an old printing press that actually Pulitzer had in his basement and use that to publish yeah. a pamphlet which they distribute not just to every newsie in New York but to every other child labourer in New York which is actually yeah. sort of, Brian Denton puts the piece together saying they're not just scared of the newsies going on strike, they're scared of the shoe shiners and the laundry people and the messengers yeah. and every child labourer in here realise they have power and that's what the newsies use. They print out all these strike pamphlets, use their network to distribute them, and that's ultimately mm. what rallies every child in New York. Because it's a fairly impressive finale when the entire street is filled with literally hundreds of, of child actors filling the, the streets um, and basically barricading Joe Pulitzer until he eventually just yeah. gives in to their demands and, um, and victory is assured. It reminded me a little bit of um, The Warriors. Um, the film The Warriors, yeah. where they have all the different gangs, and the the, the 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 combination of the film is lots of different groups of child labourers yeah. walking down the streets of Manhattan to this kind of central area where the newses are. Yes, yeah. as you say, you've got the, the collection of the shoe shiners, yeah. <laughs> you've got you've got the chimney sweeps, yeah. Yeah, all these kind of things coming in from different areas, all supporting the newses is is quite a yeah. fun, um, it's yeah. quite a fun kind of vision of it. Aided, it must be said, interestingly, by uh, the governor of New York at the time, Teddy Roosevelt, who is kind of a deus ex machina, um, because, again, 
Bill Pullman's character comes and finds Teddy Roosevelt, shows him what's going on, and Teddy Roosevelt is like, I'm shocked this is happening, and he kind of storms in um, off-camera, frees everyone in the refuge. All the boys who are imprisoned there get set free. The, uh, mm-hmm. the tyrannical governor of the refuge is thrown in jail, um, and then Teddy Roosevelt takes Jack Kelly to the, off on his carriage to the station where Jack Kelly can um, go to Santa Fe, which he's always dreamed about. The uh, the Jacobs family are left. Well, he, yes. Yeah, Day David and yes. Maya so are there it, crying. He, he, yeah, so he says he says to Jack, uh, "What you know, I will I will take you anywhere you want to go." Yeah, and so Jack says, "I'll go to the station then because he wants to go to Santa Fe." Yeah, and obviously, this means yeah. you know, Sarah Jacobs, who's effectively in love with him, is a bit. Oh, all right, yeah. you're going off there then. Fine, so Maya fine. Jacobs. Everyone's disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and exactly. yeah, and, the then, next and they zoom right back around again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I was a little confused by this scene because. Uh, it's kind of cut to the next scene where all the newsies are kind of getting on with their day job. Yeah. They go back, they buy the papers, they start, well, you know, we've got to get on with it now. And I couldn't work out, is is this immediate? Yes, it, 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 immediate. it literally just, he takes him round the block. Right back round. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it not my like joke. Yeah. It couldn't have been the next day. No, because they, get, they come round the block and then um, Jack just shakes... Um, the shakes tables of hand saying, thanks for the advice, Mr. Roosevelt, and I've got stuff I need to do here. Yeah. Um, it's not Maya Jacobs, but yeah, that is exactly. the father. It's Les, Les is the younger brother. Um, that's messed up our continent. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, Sorry, yes. <laughs> yeah, little Les. Little Les is, yeah, again, he, he definitely looks up to Jack. He's, he's got that wonderful... Um, yeah, like he plays it quite well, actually, because he's, like, he's the same thing when a, you know, a young boy sees an older one. He's copying everything Jack does. He's looking up to him. Even when Jack turns the side, Les is kind of young to those. It ain't, can't be real. Jack is just fooling him. He's not doing it, and this kind of stuff. Um, but then that literally is it. The, the new Jack is back. Um, I think he probably kisses Sarah, because that kind of concludes the, the tacked-on romance of the story. Um, and then the, all the newsies are back to work, extra to read all about it. Um, and that's the, that's the musical over with. Yeah. Back to their child labour. Back to yeah, this is a funny thing that is, is the, the 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 point of the movie is not that the uh, the child labour is ended. The child labour just gets better working conditions. Yeah, exactly. There is still child labour. Yeah. yeah, there's still a refuge. Yeah, you know, it's just that those particular children aren't in it anymore. Uh, but there'll be some other kids in there. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter because yeah. they've got ten pence more to the dollar, so that's yeah. oh, ten cents more to the dollar, so that's all good. I think historically the prices didn't go down, but they were allowed to return papers they didn't sell, which previously they hadn't been done. So that was their ah, negotiation. Right. But either way, it's uh, it, it is interesting that, that was the, the true story of how again the kids of New York took on the mighty newspaper magnates and essentially won. They 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 you know they slashed Pulitzer's circulation during mm-hmm. the strike. Um, there was you know beatings and strike breakings and this kind of stuff, and it's it's not a completely you know though the characters are fabricated. It's not an 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 untrue uh, no, rendition of how, how it happened. Yeah. So that is it's not, I mean, it's, it's obviously not. It's not social realism. It's not verite-style documentary. No. <laughs> but there is the truth in there. Teddy Roosevelt notwithstanding. We can come to the depiction of Teddy Roosevelt, because I think it's one of the weirdest parts of the movie. But... Uh, we've managed to get through the, the we've yeah. got through the description in fairly good time without having to do many accents or even any songs. So I think that's a victory. Um, join us. Well, I when... think first of all, they will be very disappointed that there haven't been as many accents. But plenty of time, listener. Plenty Don't of time. switch off yet. <laughs> we got all night. <laughs> we can burn the candle at both ends. <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave the accents to you, Hugh. Oh, oh please don't. Um, either way, join us as we uh, we delve in deep and get under the the noise of this. Welcome back, dear listener. 
Can you hear the circulation bell ringing? <laughs> I think I prefer your Anthony Hopkins myself. Really, I, but, I, um, I, I, I'm, more, I'm more taking with my Ray Winston. It's, uh... <laughs> no, no. I mean, that, yeah. I'd say on on the on the scale of accents and impressions, we've got uh, the pinnacle is definitely Anthony Hopkins getting angry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, second is, yeah, second is definitely Ray Winston. And, and a general Cockney accent. Indeed. And I'll need to hear more of the Brooklyn accent. It just puts I'm me sure... in a bind because yeah, you don't know. You, you need certain <laughs> words if you're gonna get across the accent. And uh, and I'll, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, Austro- there's a lot of verbiage. Austro-Hungarian. There's a lot. I, I, I know Australian. There's a lot of verbiage and there's a lot of banter, and a lot of slang, and it's it's very hard to get across. Um, I will say actually though, though one, one of the things I did like about Newsies was um, they don't skimp on the. Um, the sort of the 19th century street slang. You, uh, uh, you. No, no, yeah. I gotta sell more papes. I just gotta sell the papes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're gonna soak them. We're gonna it? soak what, them what, scabbers. What? What does the um? What What does David Jacobs say right at the end? Something like, we, um, oh, people don't sell papes. Oh, Newsies no, no, sell head, papes. Headlines don't sell papes. Like Newsies sell papes. He's repeating. No, but he's repeating what Jack well, told him at the start. Um. I was like, I ain't yeah, buying those yeah. papes as a lousy headline. No, headlines don't sell papes. Newsies sell papes. <laughs> this is very, the, I mean, I'll tell you what this accent is. Being 30, <laughs> years, I'm 30 years older than the, the, the people who say these lines, so I'm, I'm sounding more like um, that chap from uh, Pulp Fiction at the moment rather, rather than a young newsie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Let's go yeah, to Wake. You, <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like, like Mo from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a sad day when you identify more with Mr. Weasel than you do with uh, with any of the newsies. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Weasel, played by Oscar-nominated Michael Lerner. I know, I, I love Michael not, Lerner, he's not, good stuff. Weasel! Not for this film. Is. Not for this film, but, yeah. uh, he's always good stuff. Um, is, yeah. Either way, we should probably, right, so let, let, let's dig in. So firstly, we've, done, we've done the synopsis. We've done so the how synopsis. long was that, 15 minutes? It was. It was. Uh, well, I don't know because I don't have control over space and time. I can, uh, but it, I'd say it was quick. Yeah. Well, there you go, listener. Don't say we don't deliver on our promises. We'll get you, we'll get you out of here before bedtime. Yeah, exactly. You've so what about what about so, off your um, cocoa. Uh, so, 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 so the, the, as 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 tradition bits. <laughs> uh, realise now we're, we're too busy now. patting ourselves on the back for getting through the synopsis quickly. We've just added ten <laughs> yeah. minutes to the running time. <laughs> It's quite exciting. I can't stop but talk over you because I'm like hyper and I'm really excited about it. So we've done the synopsis. That's yeah. done. Boosh. Bam. Finished. Right. In the bag. Packed up. Sent away. <laughs> Don't need to think about that anymore. <laughs> um, next thing. Right. Right. Point two. Next thing. Here we go. Why'd you choose it? Why'd I choose it? Uh, <laughs> nice. Efficient. Like it. Sorted. Sweet. Sweet as. Um why did I choose Newsies? Well, as, as we mentioned, our, our, regular, our regular listeners will know this is the first film that I've chosen that I haven't seen beforehand. This is not a it's not a nostalgia trip for me. Um, I think it crossed my radar when um, I don't suppose you're aware of the the Guardians uh, used, to, used to have a feature a long time ago called Real History, Real with two E's, where um, Alexis von oh, no. Tunzelman was um, who was a Either a film buff or a historian, or both a film buff and a historian, would basically take films at random and judge them on both their entertainment and um, and historical accuracy. Uh, not not dissimilar to Weekend at Crombie's, but far more professional and informative and popular. Yeah. Um, and also uh, very solid. A bit like what science fiction fans do to <laughs> physics. That's you right. just think, oh, I... 
Well, I, it. well, I enjoyed the read, um, and news, news came across it, and it stuck in my head. The fact that it's a, a Disney musical that I was completely unaware of, the fact that it's a Disney musical with Christian Bale in the lead, and the fact that it was of a, such a strange topic as felt to me, and it also later became a, a Broadway smash that won Tony Awards. There's a lot in there that, that I think is worth a look, yes. and that's, that's basically why I picked the look. I, I, I like a good musical, and I can safely say we haven't had a good musical on Weekend at Crombie's yet. Uh, <laughs> so I thought I'd give it a listen, and we'd, uh, we'd see how we go yes. with it. So that's, that's the basic, basic well, gist of it. I suppose the other thing to add to that is that of, of the two of us, you are the, you're the, you're the musical fan, aren't I love you? Musical, I mean, you, are, yeah. you enjoy a good musical, I and do. yet you haven't chosen one. No. Um, so obviously this is this is the first musical that you've chosen in that context. The other thing I wanted to say about it, it's it's Disney's first full live action musical. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, 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 I mean, do you not regard Mary Poppins as a musical, or do you think the cartoons disqualified? Well, it's, it's not fully live action. Oh, I see. So that's the, the first thing that features no animation. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the first fully live-action musical that Disney produced in 1992. Have they produced any so other ones since? when you think about <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, I don't know if they have. High, so we... high School Musical, do they? Was, was that a Disney? I if think it, they if... are. Oh, yeah, well, they're all Disney now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, you can well, chuck, chuck a brick and yeah, throw a dart at a list of films and it'll be... Yeah. <laughs> Disney would have done it. Okay, how yeah, very that's... interesting. I'm now, I'm now, while you carry on, I'll now talk, uh, High School Musical was, oh, by Buena Vista, which I, is by the Disney Channel, yes, yeah, Disney got, it, it they got their mitts on it as well, yeah. as they do with everything. Fair enough, and, okay, and Disney's and first oh, full, full action High School Musical. There we go, and I believe, I believe that High School Musical was directed by Kenny Ortega. It was, who's the director of Newsies, which I was going to make the yeah, point of, yes. Yeah, there we go. So there, yeah, so, there we are. There we are, so that's that point of view. Well, that now, so Kenny Ortega, um... It's, again, he didn't have much of a career, but yeah, I think his big hits would have been the High School Musical franchise. Um, but this is kind yeah. of one of his earliest films he did direct. Um, he's he's this sort is of had, his first film. Was it his, his first? first film. Okay, because yeah. I've seen the production yeah. credits and other things too. But yeah, this was this was his first one. Yes, because he's a choreographer by trade. That explains um, a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, yeah, choreographer by trade, and this was his first um, first directing <coughs> gig. Yeah. It worked. So, so the, the reason I picked it is fairly straightforward. So let's dig in actually now to the, the analysis of it. So mm. I'm going to begin with an analysis of it yeah. as a musical, which is how I judge the okay. other two musicals yeah, we've looked at. Yeah. As a musical, um, first thing again to say is in terms of who was behind it, Alan Menken was, wrote the score. Alan Menken, again, being a very strong Disney um, score writer, mm. did things like, um, I think, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Aladdin. If it was in the, ah. you know, the early 90s in Disney, you're listening to Alan Menken when you hear it. So that's an interesting point. And I think did you do Aladdin? Possibly, well, that was Tim Rice did the lyrics for Aladdin. I'm not sure who did the score for it. Um, but okay. let's have a look now. What's it's of that era. It's of that era, and it's it's only sound, he did. Oh, he did do Aladdin. I think yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Little Shop of Horrors, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Little mm-hmm. Mermaid, oh, Rocker, yeah. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hercules. I could go on. Mm. <laughs> um, so okay. So yeah, he's done a lot. Um, Who's a legend? He's a Disney legend. He's a musical legend, and I think the the, the score is good. It's strong. I mean, or because of the very nature of the score, given it's all about sort of teenage boys marching in the streets, there are a lot of well choreographed numbers where there are lots of teenage boys singing, and lots of kind of almost mm. Les Miserables type marching, um, you know, waving the banner, carrying the strike. 
Um, I'll come to whether I think there's too many of them in a minute, but you know the opening score of when they carry the banner and they, they see it is very good. They, they start in the flop house, they go through the streets of New York, they're introduced to the characters at the same time they're singing, at the same time they get in the newspapers, and it's a good rousing start to the movie. It's a really strong beginning. There are um, okay, there are other moments when they when they have these scores when they strike. There's actually two different songs when they when they rally the strike. I think there's a third one when they are celebrating when they have their first success and they're celebrating in a cafe with Bill Pullman saying I'm the king of New York I think there might be a reprise of strike action there's another one when they're printing their own pamphlet and then there's a reprise of the strike action song and then there's a reprise yeah. of the initial song now you may have noticed I said the word the strike action song a lot because there's at least seven or eight occasions when you have a lot of male young boys singing male voice choirs these kind of songs yeah yeah, that's and I, I that's find a that problem. They, they kind of they sing over each other quite a lot as well. Yeah. in that process. But that's okay. Um, that's okay so in, I, a, in a choral part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I would say that's a, that's a problem. They're they're all very well done. Some of them are really strong. Some of them are good. But that's that's an issue when you consider it's not counterbalanced by other things. In a normal musical, mm-hmm. you'd have a couple of solos and um, a couple of duets and a couple of different songs, and that would level things out. In this, Christian Bell has his solo very early on when he has his... Um, does, they often yeah. say they... Santa Fe, yes. Santa Fe. They, yeah. they say, and this, this is a very Disney musical thing to do, give the character the I want song. Um, the character you're following will very early yeah. start off with a I have a problem or I want something. Again, Beauty and the yeah. Beast, Little Mermaid, um, even you know regular musicals too, not cartoons, will have this thing that the character will just sing to the audience, here's the thing I want. Um, and he does exactly that. He wants a family belonging. He wants to be in Santa Fe. It's a bit let down by the fact that Christian Bale, though he's dancing, I think, is not bad at all. His singing is not yeah. good. Cannot um, he cannot sing, right? No, he gets I mean, away with I mean, it. Well, the, yeah. I, say, I say he can't sing. It's not that he can't sing. He can sing better than me. It's but... just that... Yeah, it, but, yeah, but I'm, not, I'm not fronting a musical. He has, he has some talent, but he's not. He, he can't carry a musical at no. all. No, he, no, he, has, he, has a, not, he doesn't have a strong voice. No, he has, well, he has a strong enough voice that he gets away with it in the the crowd rallying scenes. When it's the call and response, when yeah. he's shouting out to the the newsies and they're shouting back to him, that works. Yeah. When it's just him emoting and hitting notes with his voice, yeah. it falls a bit flat. That's a problem. Um, I mean, other... you know, it, as as an actor, as an actor, he's solid. Oh, yeah. Because you know his emotion good, but his 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 the strength of his voice isn't. Yeah, no, he when he's, his acting is very good, even at his age. I mean, Kristen Bell is a good actor, and he does carry. And in fact, yeah. the whole the whole um, film is carried <clears throat> quite a lot on his young shoulders, and he does a good job of it. It's um, yeah, it's you you you, you are yeah. with Jack Kelly as he goes through his arc. Um, but again, t- his is pretty much the only solo song in it, and it's not the strongest thing in it. The, his, his kind of co-star, who's David Jacobs, who's kind of the straight-laced um, boy that, that kind of is, he's the more educated mm. voice to the, the the rebellion and becomes best friends with Jack. Yeah. Played by David Moscow, who, interestingly, this was kind of the launch, or the, not the launch, this was the beginning of Christian Bale's successful career. David Moscow, I think the only thing he was previously in was big as the young Tom Hanks, yeah. and this was kind of like the yeah. last thing he was in. He may have gone on to do a CSI after that, but um, it was like the end of his. He's not the most charismatic yeah. actor. And no, he's, he's, again, he's, no. His singing is a little better. His dancing is a lot worse. <laughs> but, um, but, he, he's, but the thing is, his singing is a little better than Christian Bale's, but it's still not fantastic. No. But he is a very, very bland actor in yeah. this film. Yeah. But I don't think there's a lot. There's not a lot to him in no. this. I think you can't connect with him particularly strongly. There's not the passion necessarily. No. And that's because of his acting in it. It's a very, I think it's a very, um, it, it's a it's a bit of a downer on the film, I think. Cause I, just, yeah. I, 
I'm not, not saying I'm not saying he, he's, it's badly acted. No. But there just isn't energy or the passion there. No. And yeah, he's again obviously his his character is often a naysayer. He's there to to try and rein back yeah. the, the passion of the news. He's to offer that kind of more civilized. You know, this is how you, you mustn't lie. You must you must be respectable. But he is, it is not played well. Um, and interestingly, you mentioned yeah. High School Musical. I was wondering, you know, had this film been made ten years later, what say Zac Efron could have made that? Who is one of the rare talent of being a young actor who can sing and dance. What he'd, what I he was, was going to say that exact same thing. Yeah. I think if you had Zac, if you had Zac Efron in the lead or in the kind of second lead, yeah, it would be a much stronger core central kind of character development yeah, in that be, process. Because they and, you know, what yeah. if you think is that everyone, he's a good singer, he's a dancer, he's an entertainer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and interestingly, I think they, they do try and make things, because firstly, Jack and David, they meet, and there's a bit of antagonism between the two different worlds. Then they, they kind of look out for each other, and they come together when he sits down for dinner with them, and they have a little moment on the balcony. You think they're going to you know, form a fast friendship. It doesn't really connect. They do look out for each other. They do rescue each other every now and again, but you, you don't get that thing. And coming back to the idea of a musical, there's no duet between them. Normally in this kind of thing, between two central characters, yeah. they duet in some way. Yeah. There's no duet between them. And there's no, there's no duet between, um, there's no duet between Christian Bale's character and, um, Sarah? um, the Sarah. Yeah. Sarah, and, exactly. Um, oh, yeah, either. You know, so there's nothing there. So there's, the love interest. In yeah, it, in, a, in any musical, you would have a love interest. Yeah, so you'd have you'd have a love yeah. a love song between the two lovers as well in a musical. You'd also probably have, um, firstly, a villain song, which means which means Robert Duvall. Not that I'm desperate for Robert Duvall to sing, but Joe Pulitzer should have had a song because the villain has a song too to set out his stakes oh, and yeah. to ramp things up. And probably even Brian Denton, the, the newspaper man, um, Bill Pullman would have had a song too because the, you, he also he that fleshes you out as a character. Um, so. Yeah. What what this so really the only other the only other person in it that has a song yeah is Anne Margaret yeah which again well as soon as I saw them go into Anne Margaret I thought this is a bit forced they brought in a you know the, yeah. a bit forced but probably welcome they brought in a talented singer to do a female voice which actually adds some very variety to the to the whole musical um yeah. they brought her in um. Actually, there's a bit of historical hand-waving because the, the Newsies did hold their rally in a musical like this. So there's some justification yeah, right. for having Meta in, there, Meta in there. But, I mean, obviously, it's a bit forced. But interestingly, having done all that and gone through the kind of the narrative knot of, of introducing a not entirely suitable character into this, we don't really see her sing. She sings a couple of songs, but it's always on the sidelines. We watch her... She's, she's, um, other stuff is happening while her songs are like in the yeah. middle distance. So we don't really get a spotlight yeah, on... He's cutting away from it as yeah. well, isn't it? And that Margaret is, is you know, by a, a long, long track of the strongest musical presence oh, yeah. they've got in this film, and they don't really use her, um, yeah. which is interesting as well. No. So that she's in, she's in it quite early on when, when she, uh, when Jack introduces um, her uh, to David Jacobs, and, yeah. um, and so she's in it then. And there's obviously some history between her and Jack. I don't know what the history is. It's no, all no, a bit sordid. Yeah. If you. But there's something there. Although there was, there was a very funny does... moment actually when um, yeah they they see her and all you know all the boys are enchanted by her and then when they go home to to Jacobs's nice respectable family, little Les is worn out from his day and they put him straight to bed, and as they're all having dinner, then little Les is singing in his sleep, "My lovey dovey baby," <laughs> which is quite yeah, funny yeah. to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then they're, they're... But then she, she's she's in it for a big number, and yeah. then really that's about it. Yeah. I think she she pops up again and again, but that is about I it. I don't think she appears after that. She, she's there when they hold the rally in her theatre. Not in the back. Possibly, yeah. But she, again, no, given well, that... In the final seat in the crowds. Yeah, but given that, say, um, Brian Denton, the newspaper man, is the only grown-up on their side, 
she is you know, technically yeah. also a, a grown-up business owner, someone who has at least some kind of yeah. presence. Never appears again, not when the boys are... Because the boy, half the boys are arrested after the the, right is, the strike is broken up and Brian Denton bails mm. them out. Meta is never seen again. I must say, though, I'm quite glad her name is Meta because it's impossible to say that without sounding New York. <laughs> it's Meta! Yeah, that, yeah that's uh, I was going to say so Meta... I, I, um, so, so as as a musical, yes, yeah, so as a musical, right, it's strange. It... As, as a musical, as, if, as in going to a show and watching this, I would say no. Its strengths are very strong. It is very good on the the kind of the choral numbers. The choral numbers are strong. They're actually, the the, the the all the boys who are sort of secondary characters are actually very good singers and very good dancers and very good performers. They they do stand out. Again, you have the eye patch guy and the crutch guy and the guy who's good at racing, and they they are drawn very you know very simply but very strongly. So that when they're singing and dancing, you can spot who's who, and they they're good at doing that. And there's about there's about like 20 lead, you know, secondary characters, about 50 yeah, guys in the yeah. background. It's filled. And I will say, in terms of when the set pieces are done, they don't waste an inch of the screen and they don't waste a second of music time. The camera is flying around the set. People are doing somersaults, they're dancing around, they're doing all this, you know, choreographed numbers in big 20, 30, 50 numbers. So it doesn't surprise me this guy's a choreographer because this is the strongest part of the film is when they're doing these things. And I remember when I was mentioning other musicals we have previously reviewed, how the camera was very static. It just sort of fixed and locked yeah. and people performed in front of it it's not the case here the camera is zooming around it's going around the corners as it's following the boys they're leaping in and out of places they're picking up chairs and dancing around it everything is happening and that's the strongest yeah. part but as a musical in itself it doesn't quite work and interestingly when it translated to broadway to go as an aside they fixed most of these problems um they they i think got rid of the, the sarah jacobs as a love interest and turned the newspaper man into a newspaper woman who wasn't an old grizzled reporter but kind of a young up-and-comer one who had the relationship mm. with jack and therefore it not only gives him a love interest with someone who's more involved in the story but it actually brings things together because sarah is very tacked on she helps him with their new so she yeah. her, her attack is what brings jack into the fold and she helps him do the fire but she's actually she's just tacked on to the story she's there to give jack a romance she's a MacGuffin. yeah in, whereas if you yeah. Whereas if you make the newspaper person um, the love interest, it actually feeds into the thing because the newspaper person finds out Jack is not who he says he was. He actually turns his name as Francis Sullivan. And he's been lying about his identity. Yeah. That has to, that yeah. has to come together and actually works better in the musical. In the musical too, Pulitzer has a song. I think in the the Brian Denton now female character has a duet or a song. So I think in the musical. Yeah. They, they they fix a lot of these problems, so this yeah, clearly and, then, and like yeah and without yeah. yeah and so if they'd done that in the film it would have been a much better film. But then the 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 Menken score it's it's, it's kind of the, the spine of the movie is strong enough to stand that rewrite and turn into it. So it's it's not a great musical, but there's so there's a great musical in there because the the musical itself won Tony Awards um, and got nominated for a lot more. So there was clearly something there to to be worth working on. So I think so. There's, that's that's an interesting point because I, I'd never heard of this film before. I'd never heard of the Broadway musical. I, I didn't know anything about this film at all, um, which is unusual because you know I know quite a lot about a lot of films, yeah. but I had literally never, <laughs> ever, ever heard of this film in my life. And you know, I, I come to these things with an open mind a lot of the time as well. It's interesting to hear you talk about how you felt that as a musical it probably doesn't work, but the strengths of the film are it's kind of. Are that is is the, the the strength of the the central kind of musical construct in 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 some ways the the the, the orchestra the score yeah. some of the choreography the way the camera moves around I have to say I totally disagree with you okay. um, <laughs> I, I totally disagree because a number of things here Go on. firstly I cannot remember other than Christian Bale's solo yeah. and I can only really remember this because I didn't think he sang it very well <laughs> I cannot remember a single song 
or chewed from the film. Okay. I, I literally am racking my brains. I, and I forgot it immediately. <laughs> I cannot remember anything about it. I can't remember one single song or ensemble movement. I remember I remember the chaos of the camera work and the fact that the swirling, particularly in the music hall where yeah. things are going on and you're being cut out of the music and everyone's moving around. I was totally discombobulated by what was happening. Yeah. And this was the case throughout the film in many ways. Um, so for me, the strength of the, I, I don't think, I don't think any of the music is, is memorable. I think it's totally underwhelming, okay. um, which, which is odd because it's a Disney film with Alan Menken, who is, a Disney legend and who yeah. has made some absolutely brilliant um, uh, compositions. Yeah. But for me, there was nothing in this that I really recognised. I would also say that the choreography in it is very underwhelming. It's bland or maybe underwhelming. Actually, actually, maybe underwhelming is the wrong word. I found it quite cliched. Okay. I kind of expected them to do exactly what they did. Okay. Um, there was nothing particularly extravagant about the choreography I mean, outside of the fact that there were large numbers of people yeah you know it, 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 it has a large it has a large set and a large number of um child actors performing but in terms of what they were doing it was quite slug i thought i just felt it was really sluggish okay and um very very bland and underwhelming as a consequence of that i never felt particularly engaged in any of the characters as a consequence of that and you know the the accents in it are it's it for me for me even the accents were too theatrical it was very bugsy malone and bugsy yeah. malone irritates me to death <laughs> i love bugsy malone <laughs> I, I felt i felt there was more verisimilitude to these accents than the bugsy malone one they were i mean they were they were all consistent with each other it wasn't the, the kids wouldn't it wasn't like you know fat sam doing it they there was a there was yeah, there was a tone they struck yeah, with that and I, they stuck to it. Well, but I take I take your point. So you mentioned earlier that with with Bugsy Malone, obviously the children are playing adults as well. Yeah. The whole cast are children. But yeah, they're also working at the camera too. But there was no third wall. There was no fourth wall breaking with this. The, the kids were. It no. was played straight. Oh, absolutely, and that's fine, uh, and, and and that's okay. And in in, in this, the, the the children are acting as children, and there are adults in it, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But in some ways, in some ways, it, it, it worked. It, it felt similar to Bugs Miller to me because the, the child actors in this are, they are required to be far more adult in their approach and way of walking and talking and their actions than I maybe believe okay. is the case. So, so let me give you an example, right? I... Um, and and this, yeah, this might not be an issue generally, but there's a, there's a certain kind of lack of there's a certain kind of lack of truthfulness to the film. And I know it's a musical and all this kind of stuff, and it's supposed to be entertainment, blah blah blah. But you know, they're one of the kids in the very first scene when they're in the refuge and um, they'll get off their bunk beds and they start walking and shaving, all this kind of. Stuff. They're shaving for a start, but you know, most of them are about twelve or thirteen years old. So what are you doing? And I appreciate that's all for effect and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, the Christian one Bell does mention he's seventeen. Yeah, okay. Fine. So he's, he's allowed to shave. So one cigar, yeah. He's allowed to shave, yeah. One of them wakes up and they have a, he's got a cigar in his mouth. And you see people smoking cigars all the way through the, through I the film. I did think in a Disney you know, film, the, the, kid, the kids were smoking. I thought yeah. that is a strange, strange... I mean, it's probably true. I'm, I don't doubt these kids were smoking. But oh, to, no, to have sure. them, has it, yeah. has it shown on a Disney yeah. thing? Well, 
it might be true, but but big fat cigars like the ones that Joe Pulitzer would have smoked? Yeah. Surely not. And whether, even if it is true or not, it didn't ring true in the film. Yeah. The, the children speak like adults. They talk like adults. They talk like world-weary gangsters, as it were. And maybe that's because that's what they are in many ways. They're street, street talk. They're rough and ready. They're tough. They're New York street children. And so maybe they are adults. But there was, I found it, there was something grating about it. There's a barrier there to me that I couldn't get over. And I found it a little bit... Yeah, for me, I have to admit, I found it cringeworthy. Okay. And I, I there were many times where I had to stop the film <laughs> because I couldn't bear it. <laughs> and, and, that, and again, that's nothing. That's not to do with the. That's not to do with the acting per se, and it's not to do with the music per se, and it's not to do with the choreography per se. It's a combination of all of those things together yeah. at certain points in the film, which made me almost roll my eyes. Okay. You know, it, it's like, if if I have if I have a cliched view of what a Disney musical is. Yeah. It's this. Okay, that's fair enough. I would say, I would, I would say the only. That's the music aspect of it. I would say the concession I would give to you there is, I thought, I thought actually the the flop house scene, at the very beginning, when they're all getting up and you, again, I, I have no problem with having cigars or shaving or anything like that, and and talking yeah. tough because they they live toughly. That was what they're getting across. There is a scene about halfway through when they when they're rallying the newsies and they need to go to to Brooklyn, which is apparently some fearsome place, uh, and get the kind of yeah. the, the leader of the newsies yeah. in Brooklyn, whose name's Spot Conlon, um, and it's treated yeah. like they're going to see a Godfather, which, again, yeah. it, that that's probably the bit where it seems a bit because they they should go into his his. He's got tough guys surrounding him, and he's he's you know he's that twelve year old kid, but he's acting like a godfather, um, mm. and that seemed a bit untrue. Partly because if these are all newsies, why isn't Spot Conan walking around with the newspaper trying to sell it? Because <laughs> he hasn't joined the strike yet. Yeah, exactly. so, where he was, he was just lingering around his lair in Brooklyn, waiting to be paid you know paid homage to. So that I thought was a bit overplayed. But generally, I know I I'm, I'm didn't come onto the same board as you. I was quite happy with the way they acted and talked, mm. and in terms of you know. Though it's you know it's not a documentary, it is a musical. You expect a certain amount of theatricality from it. The fact, I think the fact. Where I, they... I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I don't mind a certain amount of theatricality. Yeah. Yeah. Let me put that absolutely make that absolutely <laughs> clear. I don't mind a certain level of of theatricality. However, this film is theatricality personified. Yeah. But it's done in a way that's very underwhelming. Okay. So you have, I suppose for me, you have the two um, really strong kind of. I've got red lights going on in my head. As, as soon as this film started, um, from the moment that they all get up in the refuge and they they have that kind of the introductory song and everyone's like slapping each other's backs and they're shaving, smoking circles, I have red lights going on in my head, warning signs, which is this is going to be this is going to be uh, amateur dramatics style <laughs> drama teacher school musical type thing that I'm just you know it immediately got my back up. Oh dear! And I found then, you. I found your dancer in the dark. <laughs> Well, well, the only thing I would add to that was I could have lived with any of that if the songs were memorable, yeah. if there was an energy and pizzazz about the film that really got on me. Because I have watched films like that. I mean, I'm talking about Bugsy Malone. It does irritate me. But yeah. Bugsy Malone, at least I can understand why that works to a yeah. certain extent. Because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a romp. It's yeah. a solid romp. It, yeah. works, it works in that regard. I still find it irritating, but I don't, I don't hate that film. I'm not saying that I hate this film necessarily, but... <laughs> I've given that theatricality if there was a more, I suppose, either a tighter, a tighter film yeah. in it yeah. or with or with a tighter kind of focus. OK, I would again half agree with you. I think 
were, were the if the solos and the soloists were stronger in this film, it would bring it together. Perhaps, I yeah. I do disagree yeah. about the, the 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 sort of the ensemble musicals and the energy to it, but I think that's probably where your mileage may vary because I think that that is something I wouldn't change about the film, and I'm not sure it did change for the Broadway thing. They kept those opening numbers and the group numbers, and they kept the energy of it, and they just tightened up where the where the, the soloist bits were lacking. Maybe again without those tent poles, it does feel like because again I just say again one of its strengths is weaknesses. It feels like there's a lot of ensemble pieces in there and nothing else between, um, and that that can very easily mm. blur because again they're all, it's all taking place in more or less the same location with more or less the same um, people in it dressed in more or less the same clothes too. So there's there's you could yeah. lift up one and drop another, and then if you're not into it, you're certainly not into it. I think I think that's maybe it for me. There wasn't a point where I managed to get myself into it, and that's that is that's it's not solely through the music, but for me, if the music was sterling yeah. and the choreography was sterling i would have forgotten about all that other stuff and gone with it a lot more yeah you know because contrary to popular belief i don't hate musicals <laughs> you know in, in and of themselves i just don't see i don't find many of them engaging and when i do find them engaging they're obviously completely different musicals to the ones you like because i quite <laughs> like dancer in the Park and phantom of the paradise which is really weird but that, that's i suppose that's how it is um uh, yeah so uh, yeah, struggle struggle with that with that a little bit in that process um but but, but nevertheless you know th- there's there's a lot going on in the film yeah. um so things you said you wanted to pick up on, the... on the on the meta role did we, did we touch on that already we've, we've mentioned it twice but the fact that Anne margaret again was such a sort of a a, a pin-up of the 60s and it's, again it's still a very very handsome lady um in the in the late 90s yeah. and all the makeup damn it, damn it with faint praise there well it's it's um <laughs> handsome lady. <laughs> but no she she she, she, she well, has a certain amount of charm to her even then but is not the kind of person you'd want to start sit a lot of teenage boys right. so there's t- there's two things about Anne margaret's role in this film the first one is that her actual role on the film is incomprehensible yeah i don't understand why she's in the film other than other than to have an Anne margaret solo yeah. or song which then doesn't then really do have this yeah yeah, yeah it doesn't really happen so that's weird for a start so I, there's no there's no actual reason for her to be in this film or for that plot strand to be in this film it's not even a plot strand actually yeah. it's two or three scenes i don't understand it that could have been on the cutting room floor yeah. the second one is are we led to believe that she that because this is for me the way that is portrayed in the film she is some kind of sex symbol to these children and okay, okay fine at one level that in and of itself isn't necessarily a problem because you can you can be a sex symbol and that be okay in that context but it's the flirtatiousness it's it's the it's the weirdly sordid attraction that she has to the children and vice versa yeah that i found very weird it's kind of um, the impression I got from it is like when you get um, like one of those sort of pinup singers and dancers doing the um, the American Army tours, and you know you get the whooping no, army well, boys. Exactly except that exactly even it. even though they're young, the army boys are normally over eighteen, <laughs> and uh, and so but when she like she goes like saying hello newsies, what's new? And you think this is this is a bit off. <laughs> It's just weird, isn't it? So you're right. It's it's exactly like that when they when they do the the, the tours, and you know you, you see all the soldiers, you know, blowing the whistles and going harbour harbour, all this kind of stuff. Or it reminds me of um in the kind of the old Warner Brothers cartoons oh, yeah. when you had uh, Betty like Boop. I don't know Betty Betty Blue yeah Betty Boot walking past, and you know I don't know the the lecherous what would it be like a wolf or something yeah. would like his mouth would drop 
dribble his eyes. That's what the kids are doing. Yeah. And that's, I suppose, again, what I mean by the, the children are being asked to act adult. But in its weird, it, I found it's just really well, I think that's probably, what, that's probably what teenage boys would do, but it's not really reciprocated. <laughs> no, but it's, it's not what eight-year-olds would do or no. seven-year-olds. And there are some pretty young, you know, this is a, this is a musical which is full, just full of kids. There are yeah. no adults in it other than her yeah. and eventually some police and Brian Denton. It's full yeah. of just children. I did think it quite ironic. That's the fact that, you... yeah. It was ironic that then, because they could probably fill the, the scene with so many child actors because they were a lot cheaper than adults. Because they're cheap as well, yeah. But, yeah. I know, that's that true. Bit of child labour in real so, life. So... I mean, Disney has an interesting relationship <laughs> with, with labour <laughs> relations in the first place. I think the only other thing I can think of where Disney tackled strike was when the clowns in Dumbo unionised. And that was written because yeah, yeah, um, that... because Dumbo was made by strike breakers because Disney was going through its own strike at the time. So it is interesting. Yeah, to have, yeah Disney was having a strike, and the the normal artists I think weren't there to complete Dumbo. So Disney brought in strike breakers, and they inserted a scene in Dumbo where the clowns get drunk and form a union. The implication being that union yeah people going on strike are are full of clowns who are drunk. Yeah. Um, and, but uh, there's I mean Disney, you know, being the the gargantuan megalith corporation that it is now. Interesting that it made this movie in the first place about you know championing the workers' rights. Yes, I think that's very interesting. And there, I mean, you know, there, there are some there are some um, other contradictions in the film which we might go on to as well. Anything else about the analysis of the film that you think is, um, is worth highlighting? I mean, thematically, yeah. There's a few moments. Again, the firstly, again, the, the smoking is I, I consider to be you know time accurate. It's probably strange to see in a different oh, sure. film. Um, me, 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 yes, and yeah. that's absolutely fine. The smoking, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, I get. Yeah, the the violence, the violence. The, I mean, I, I heard that Newsies was intended. Uh, Newsies was originally intended not to be a musical. Um, so maybe it falls into into the the thing. But there's there are moments of comical violence. Again, we'll, I'll come describe them. Weisel's nephews, who um who who deal with basically the the enforcement of the Newsies, um, are these two probably like eighteen, nineteen year old boys. They've got got you know got bum fluff on their faces, but they're big and tough. Um, called the Delancey <laughs> brothers, <coughs> and the Delancey brothers, no. um, they, yeah, they go around there you know, picking on the young boys and this kind of stuff. And it begins with Jack. Um, we're introduced to Jack very early on. He you know, knocks the hat off a Delancey and then runs rings around them. And it's it's the very much the kind of you know our young scrappy character is beating the big bullies, and that's how it's initially yeah. set up. Um, again, coming later to the film, when the Delanceys are set upon, firstly David Jacobs and his sister Sarah, um, you know, they, they literally they lurk after Sarah in the street, then drag her to an alley in the very unpleasant feeling of it, and then begin mm. to beat up David with a knuckle duster. And had Jack not come to the rescue, who knows what would have happened? It's an odd moment to have it there. And likewise, uh, there's a lot of kind of you know joking yeah. around, pushing people over and knocking. But when the strike breakers come in, you get these like you know you say seven or eight year old kids. <laughs> kicking him between the legs and punching him in the face and getting beaten back in return. Yeah. Um, there's a we not yeah. yet, there's, there's a boy on it who's got a, um, a game leg called Crutchy because he has a crutch. Um, he is literally dragged off um, around the corner by the Delanceys and is not shown what happens to him, but is later seen in clearly a state saying, you know, I can't really can't, you know, I can't really escape from the refuge anymore. The Delanceys broke me over, can I good? Um, so clearly give him a beating. And again, there's a, when, there's a moment when the scene... Um, breaks up in, in Meadows' uh, musical when the police break in to break up the strike. Uh, one of the secondary characters, Little Racetrack, who's, again, he's he's about as poly old as Jack, but he's quite diminutive and is you know, constantly making bets on the horses. Um, he just gets kicked in the stomach <laughs> and then punched in the face. Literally, yeah, yeah, it's, it's then in not a comical way. Then it's like, wow. Um, not that I think I'm sure, I, uh, I'm sure I, this is... Yeah. I cheered at that scene. <laughs> You're not a fan of Racetrack. 
<laughs> See, I, I like these kids, so I see them getting brutally beaten was not of me. Maybe, maybe you enjoyed it. You're, you're more of a, a, no, a, I, I was, I was so happy when he. I'm sure Lars von Trier would have gone further, but the the, the fact that again, I just felt <laughs> the, the the violence was, um, whilst appropriate and certainly you know didn't didn't pull its punches in a literal sense, odd for a also think, for also well, a singing and dancing yeah. moment. I think what I'm going to say is going to sound ridiculous, but it's on the hard side of soft. Isn't it? <laughs> yes, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. and, I mean, you know, yeah. notwithstanding the euphemisms associated with that statement yeah. I just made, it is on the hard side yeah. of soft. Uh, a few other points. I thought Duval put in quite an eccentric turn as Pulitzer. He was clearly playing him as a kind of a you know, Citizen oh. Kane type character. Um, oh God! So, so okay. So I was going to come on to I was going to come on to Robert Duval. Yeah. He, Robert Duval was going to be my next point go, go of contention in the film <laughs> because. Rob, for me, right, okay, Robert Duval in this film is terrible. He <laughs> is terrible. So, first of all, he has what I can only describe as a beard that they found <laughs> in some cupboard somewhere. It's probably not even a full beard. It's bits of fluff that they've stuck on him. He has this really bizarre... I mean, I appreciate that Pulitzer was from um, Hungary, you know, so he's he's Eastern European, but this accent that he puts on is just so bizarre and so weird. It's you're right, it's eccentric, but it's also it's awful. I don't know what I can't work out what he's doing. It's just I think it's just badly acted. And Robert Duval is not a bad actor. Yeah. So what is going on with him there? He he suddenly shouts things. I was going to say this. Be there's a moment there when again the, the confrontation moment with between him and Jack. When yes, Jack, 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 Jack is Leah. Jack is if he's saying. Okay, Mr. Oh, he's calling him Joe. Okay, Joe, I better go now. Okay, Joe, we can disagree. And Robert Devine goes, "Would you listen to me? Would you just shut up and listen to me?" He's like he is listening to you. They're having a conversation, and it goes on for ages. Yeah. Just listen to me. Yeah. Just listen to me. It's almost like they had. It's almost like they had two. They acted two different scenes, and they kept them together. Like there's another <laughs> scene out there somewhere where Christian Bale is shouting back at him. <laughs> Or he's having a fit, or something's happening. To they, 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 play him, they, they play him as well. He play him as being very short-sighted. He can't. He has to have magnifying glass even to read his own paper. And he's yeah. also got some kind of issue with noise, I think, because in the final scene when Jack throws open the windows of his office and he hears the strikers yeah. shouting, he doesn't. He firstly yells at them to go home, and then he covers his ears, saying, "I like, I can't listen to this." And he was like, "Rain Man." Yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly. And um, so I, I when when I, when I finished watching this film, I thought I thought to myself. Is that a bad performance, yeah. or is it is it me? Is it me? You know, because sometimes, sometimes, so uh, you know, when again, I'll come back to Dancer in the Dark a little bit. When we watched Dancer in the Dark, I thought Bjork's performance was fantastic, and you weren't so keen. Okay. Right. So I can appreciate that you can have two very disparate views about something, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad acting because someone can think it's stylized or effective, and someone yeah. else can just think it's bad. Yeah. So is Rob Duval's performance? bad or is it stylized and i think it's just bad i think i, mean, I think so... it's stylized done badly okay i think he's go- well, i think he he's nominated... going for something yeah he's maybe. just not he getting nominated it. yeah well he was nominated for this role for a razzie i was gonna say don't say well. Oscar. yeah a razzie i mean yeah i wouldn't argue with that he's okay i think he is trying for something he's not just putting oh, in a yeah, turn sure. but what he's trying no, for, and, he's I not, and the thing you. is he's not He's not phoning it in either. Yeah. You know, she can't say it's. He can't say it's him just taking a paycheck. Yeah. It, it, he's putting a lot of effort into this 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 role, and I just can't work out what he's doing in any way, shape, or form. Um. So so th- there's there's that element of it. 
which I found difficult to accept. And also, you know, I know Pulitzer is quite—he's got—he's quite a famous name, you know, in in, in yeah, the newspaper yeah. circles, but not not just newspapers, but journalism in general and all this kind of stuff. So you have the Pulitzer Prize and all this this process as well. Um, but he also was—I I, suppose—he was someone who was quite philanthropic, certainly in his later life, and also someone who um, was pretty much throughout his life very focused on um, kind of anti-big business. He, I'm not suggesting that he was he was in any way um, concerned about earning lots of money. Yeah. I don't mean that. I don't think he necessarily was greedy yeah. in in the way that he's portrayed in this film. I, pre- I appreciate again that it's a film and it's you know it's not it's not it's not social realism. But but for me, my understanding of Pulitzer is he's 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 he set up a charitable fund um to um kind of help young people get into journalism yeah. and maybe this was all after the strike he learned his lesson which is fair <laughs> enough he he was he was um he was very much about um local conglomerates and cooperatives um not necessarily big business although he would he would have taken a cut of that information that that money and that profit certainly he was an industrialist at the turn of the century in america he's going to be that kind of kind of process and I suppose the other thing is he made he was one of the two I mean he was an inspiration for Citizen Kane so there's some element there of him knowing that was something Hearst. about ordinary oh well it, one, oh, of both, oh, yeah. Yeah. one of the inspirations I should say eccentric eccentric newspaper magazine yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and uh, and and so he must have known something about people right he must have he must have had a connection to people but here he just seems to hate everybody yeah he hates everybody. He's such a despicable character in it. Well, do, you know, as a do, you know, do you know what would help him out here? A song. Yeah, well, yes, you're right. It would. Why is he like this? Yeah. Again, and then, is he like again, this? And what does he want? Yeah. Um, it's it's you. This is in a musical because again, you you spend so much time in a musical devoted to the musical numbers. You need to to shortcut towards. You don't have enough time for, for character development unless you're using the songs to shortcut to it, and you don't in this one. I will say another point about no, the and that, and yeah. you're right. You're right. You're, that, that's a really good point because a lot of the time, my beef with musicals is that they go on forever, yeah. and you can take all the musical bits out, and it would just still, you know, if it it might not stack up. Yeah. But, but that defeats the point of the, the fact that it's a musical. You have music in musicals to develop the the thing. This doesn't do that because I didn't think any of the songs in it moved the plot along. Oh, I would, I would say, I would say quite, the, quite the reverse. I'd say, I'd say one of the strengths of this musical, whether the songs are good or bad, most of them push the plot along or reveal something about character. Which, again, I've, for example, to take the Greatest Showman as the latest musical, there's only one song in that that is necessary to the plot, and the rest of them are just kind of mood pieces. Uh, really? In in this one, a lot, a lot of the, the songs are necessary to get the plot from from point A to point B. So in, in whether whether they're good or not is irrelevant. They are at least necessary songs. They could have been better, but they need they need to be there. Um, but actually, you mentioned about Pulitzer. Mm. One other historical figure that's treated in this film very oddly, I found, was Teddy Roosevelt. 
Um, I don't yes. know whether because yes. he's a he's a, a Mount Rushmore president, Disney felt they had to really lionise him. But he is seen as the Deus Ex Machina. Um, he's 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 oh, mentioned that. before he in really reverence did. tones, and literally he is dragged in in the final scene to fix things. Firstly, with the strike, he, mm. he you know he frees the, the boys from the refuge, and then he gives Jack some off-camera advice, which completely turns Jack around into coming back to the the bosom of his family. And um, he's not he doesn't even have a he's not even acted. He's he doesn't actually be in any scenes. He's often shown in the background raising his hat like they got a lookalike who doesn't actually act like Teddy Roosevelt. It's just peculiar. He's a bit like Father Christmas, isn't he? Yes, exactly. Except at least Father Christmas gets acted. Yeah. He 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 has he yeah. has no presence yeah. other than his name and his kind of just occupying the space. And I don't know why they felt the need to yeah. treat that character like so reverently. He's a he's yeah. a ventriloquist doll, yeah. isn't he? But without the ventriloquist, he just sat there or stood there, yeah. or he's moving in quite like an automaton in many ways. Yeah. And, and you right, yeah, there, there was a moment when he's lifting up his hat up and down, his top hat, he's going up and down, yeah. and it's like it's not yeah, like it's he's weird, yeah. it looks like a toy. But it's not like he's his Lincoln or. Washington. This is not like the, this is Teddy yeah. Roosevelt. He's the man that the bears are named after. You can, you can, you can. Yeah. You're not going to get a big outrage from you know outraged Roosevelt fans thinking how dare you portray Teddy in this way. Um, so no, that's just odd. But I suppose you're right about the the ex machina thing because he 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 appears for the first time in the film about fifteen to twenty minutes before the end of the film. Yeah. As the person that can basically solve everything, and then he solves everything. But to be honest, I don't, I don't think he end. even needed to do that because basically what he solves is he releases the boys from the refuge and throws in the secondary villain who's the, the governor of the refuge in jail. But you mm. didn't need that to kind of to win the movie. You just needed, um, no, you know, which you, you, you only won. Pulitzer had given in and the strike had been broken. And yeah. and he was just, yeah. an, he's, he's not necessary and it's an odd one to put in. And again, the whole carriage ride with Jack, there's this actually things that come to the, to the thing that... Um, there are two moments in, in Jack's arc which I felt was a bit of a closed loop as in you could just not have it okay. at all. Firstly, it was his fall from grace. He confronts Pulitzer. Pulitzer offers him money and clothes and escape if mm. he'll break the strike, essentially. Jack does so. He confronts his former strikees. They're disentitled with him. Jack then sees um, David and Sarah get attacked, and he comes back on side, and we're back on track again. All of that could have been removed. Um, you didn't need it. You just needed the yeah, lowest... Because it happens in about five minutes. Yeah. You just, all you need is the lowest point of the film. Well, actually, no, it takes longer than that. That's why it's unnecessary. You just need Jack at his lowest point, which yeah. is he is imprisoned, which he is, and his identity is shown to be false. He's not this cowboy person who's willing to be sent to Santa Fe. He's the son of a thief and his, his mother's dead and he's he's basically, he's one of the, the newsies. He's not better than everyone else as he kept telling them. Um, and that's his lowest point. He's been revealed. He's sad. He then doesn't need the whole strike breaking arc to get around that. We can just carry on. Um, and then the, yeah. the other... All sort he of... needs to do then really is escape. Yeah, he, he, what he wants to do is get out, you know, make it up with his friends, print the newspaper, yeah, and, and get to yeah, the finale. Yeah. That's where we need to go. And this whole set yeah. of wasted time in a closed loop. And again, in a, in a very literal sense, his round trip to the station was a closed loop. He didn't need to get on the... It's so weird. He didn't so need weird, to get on the carriage right? to Teddy Wilson. And, and the thing is, he's saying goodbye to everybody, and we know he shouldn't. We know he shouldn't say goodbye to the, his best friend, the kid who looks up to him, the girl he loves, and go to the yeah. station. But as he rides away in the carriage, every, all the other newsies and the strikers are cheering and waving him off like it's a victory. And we know it's not. Yeah. Um, which is an no. odd thing to do again. Like a ticket to right? It's yeah. so and, weird. And then... He, and then, and, and then and things... He comes back. He comes back immediately. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, yeah. So he's off screen for five seconds. Yeah. So it's that's and that's there's two closed loop in the stories. Like A could trim the time because it's over over two hours. So there's always time you can trim, and it's unnecessary to the mm. arc of the character or the plot, and it just wastes time. And I, I imagine too, if I saw the musical, yeah. they'd both go. They'd be they'd be first on the cutting room floor. Yeah. I feel I see a film that that does that 
type of final scene really well. You know, so you got Jack telling everyone he's going, and then he comes back. I'll tell you a film that does it well. Yeah. Go on. Crocodile Dundee. Oh, Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee does it well when he's down on the platform and she comes down and then she's telling him, tell, t- tell her, tell her I love her. She, I'm he not going to marry he Richard. He said she's not going to marry <laughs> Richard. Why not? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, if we're talking about musical scores, that, 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 uh, yeah, that drumbeat of Crocodile Dundee when he comes back. Oh. Getting, speaking of closing, oh. we're getting track. Crocodile Dundee's next month. We're talking about Newsies this month. Do we have anything? <laughs> do we have anything else thematically we'd like to discuss about Newsies? You said you had. You said you had thoughts. Oh well, there was there was Robert Duvall, which was yeah. the, the the big one there. It was the end. It was the end point of him coming back immediately, and it was uh, Teddy Roosevelt, which I also wanted to mention as well, which is quite interesting. <laughs> so you kind of highlighted all three of them that, that so kind I of I thought were notes. were very strange. Um, I suppose I suppose what I'm what I want to know a little bit more about is why okay let, I, I feel like i feel like i am playing completely into what people's thoughts of me and musicals are. <laughs> yeah right but why and do so, they have to I'll sing i'll give you an example <laughs> no, well I'll, I'll give you an example of an overly theatrical f- musical okay which is full of kids and is effectively amateur dramatics writ large okay that i Found myself surprisingly really enjoying. Okay, and it is High School Musical three. Not one or two. So I've not seen High School. I've not seen High School Musical or High School Musical two. I've only seen High School Musical three. It was on television a few years ago. I think it was Boxing Day morning. Yeah. A couple of years ago, it was just on the TV. And you know, I was you know I'd obviously had a few too much to drink for Christmas Day. It was on the TV and. It was mindless in my head, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to sit here and watch this. And again, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes, I was rolling my eyes, I had my back up. But for some weird reason, I, I managed, I, I, I chose, I actively chose to watch the whole film. And at the end of the film, I thought, oh, that was all right. I've got I a quite lot of, enjoyed I've, that. I've got a lot of time for the high school musicals. I think they're good. Yeah, yeah. So the characters were engaging. It was well acted. The choreography was very very good yeah okay it's you know it's never going to be my favorite film of all time or anything like that but it's a it's it's entertaining fluff and that's what a musical should be and that is directed by kenny ortega did you and go back and watch high school musicals one or two no i haven't you haven't i haven't and it's not because i didn't like high school musical three it's probably because i'm not that fussed about that i don't <laughs> well, you, you know see, how it's going to end now, see... this has been spoiled for you well exactly yeah <laughs> also i did I, whilst I was watching High School Musical three, I didn't, I didn't ever think to myself, I don't know what's going on here because I haven't seen High School Musical or High School Musical two. Yeah. You know, it was fairly easy to get into, and realistically, I was quite entertained by the music and the choreography, and it's done by the same guy. Yeah. So there's there's something there, and I re- I actually really enjoyed that film. Okay. Um, it would be a three disembodied zombie head threat film. So it's not. It's. I want to reiterate, it's not musicals per se. It really isn't musical, so. No, and in fairness, this, that's my difference. And in fairness, we'll, we'll come. Yeah, this this cost fifteen million to make and made two point eight at the box office. It's yeah. probably one of yeah. Disney's worst performing films ever. It's and it, um, yeah, it, it was not well received. Although it, it does have, so was, as as was, many things, a, a, a kind of a cult fan base. It, it does, yeah, it does. I was going to ask you, you know, you, you said that the, the, the kind of central musical strand, the core, con- the core conceit of the music was strong. Yeah. yeah. Um, Christian Bale's a good actor, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Why was it such a box, box office flop? 
Um, the the core is strong of a musical, but for me, and I'll come to that in my review, I think it's a good first draft of a musical. It, it's not the complete oh, okay. package. That's one thing. Christian Bale is almost it's like... The Broadway version is the final. Well, it's the final draft. I've, I've deliberately not been listening to the Broadway version. I'm going to after this, but I wanted to keep the, the actual, the film one in my head before I started listening to what I assume is the better version of it, because I wanted to give it a fair, a fair shake. But I mean, I've listened to the music of the um, of this film a few times, and they, it, again, it does stick with you. Again, for me, it hit me immediately. Certainly, Carrying the Banner, I think, is a wonderful opening to a song. Um, but I, I stand by the fact that the solos are bad, the set pieces are good. Um, so why is it a flop? I mean, musicals are generally they're not, you know, they're they are hit and miss. You have to, it's a you know, the last twenty, thirty years, the amount of live action musicals that have been successful. When they are, everyone says these are great. Why do we make more musicals? But <laughs> they uh, they seem to be hard and hard to come by, unless they're cartoons. Yeah, they're, seems to be yeah, they're all nothing, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, what you can have, what you've had the High School Musicals, which actually I think went on the Disney Channel. They were kind of under the radar and seen as very much kids' films, um, yeah. which even though actually has some very good singing dances in it. Um, You've got what the oh, greatest, yeah, yeah, yeah. greatest showman. Um, what else do you have? I mean, you run out of the, the L.A. was it La La Land, which I actually don't think is a good musical, but it was pretty, you know, was successful. What, what else have you got there? They, they, quite you know, like, um, I quite like La La Land. We'll come back. Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Mary Poppins. Yeah, well, that's almost like the Renaissance in musicals. That, um, but Mary yeah, Poppins almost yeah. has license to be musical because it's a. Not quite a reboot, but it's a, a continuation of the Mary Poppins yeah. franchise. You could count on one hand successful musicals since Newsies, so that's one reason why it didn't do well. It, it, was, it was always up against it. Um, what about Chicago and things like that? Well, they were... I mean, yeah, Chicago, Lee Miz, they do good box office, but they are basically just filming the Broadway version. There's not a lot there that's... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, Chicago was... A, is a, is a, you've got a built-in audience for that already. The idea of a brand new musical, mm-hmm. like The Greatest Showman, you know, I have problems with that, but fair play to it. It is an entertaining romp that did original pieces of music in, on film, so then it was successful, so good for that. So why was it a flop that? And it's, different, it's, yeah. different, it's, it, it's different to other types of films like... Say for example, um, I mean, Frozen and Moana, yeah. which are also Disney films, and they are musicals. Yeah, well, this, this but was, then yeah. they don't—they're not quite the same, though, are they? Well, again, animations there is somehow license to do this kind of stuff. It's seen as a kids' fat slash family thing, and they're, they're, it's almost expected they should sing. Although that's only recently coming back. You know, there was that period. Actually, in this this point in the nineties was in the middle of the Disney Renaissance when they were huge in yeah. songs. They had Aladdin. This is this is after Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, probably before Pocahontas. But it's it's that time when they were very very big in in kind of their musicals. So it's not like they couldn't churn out musical stuff, but it had to be a cartoon, I guess, to to get attention. Also, in terms of the, the cast, yeah, you know, pre- pre- previous to that, pre- previous to that, in the eighties, you would have had things like Basil the Great Mouse Detective, the, um, the Black Cauldron, which were Disney. Non-musicals. Yeah, but also not very successful. You know, there's a lot of non-success in the and 80s not for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also again, you talk about the stars. Christian Bale is sort of retroactively famous. Um, if had he gone no further, yes. this he'd be remembered as oh that kid from Empire of the Sun, and I think he did a musical in the same way that David Moskow yeah. is remembered as that kid from Big. Oh, and I think he might have done a musical. Um, so yeah. so you don't get star power from someone who's gonna be Batman if in the future, uh, even though he's a strong presence in it now. So I think again it's. It's also, it's two and a half hours. It's, it was, it was two hours ten. It's a long old haul um, for a for family entertainment, and the 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 you know, the, 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 the the subject it's matter. It's a long film. The subject matter. It's a long. It's a long film. Yeah, even yes. I, even I felt it's length. Yeah. The subject matter, 
I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't sit down with the kids now and watch it. They'd have to be several years older before I'd sit down and think they'd be entertained by it, even though the songs might they might find catchy. So it's an, and, but it is a yeah. kids musical, and like with you know, Bugsy Malone is played by kids and very much for kids. They love it. This is by kids, but really for adults, or at least for. Yeah. Older children who, you know, by the time they're old enough to Except watch it, it's not really for adults, is it? It's either. not really for adults. It, you know, it, yeah. it isn't. But by the time you're old enough to watch this, either you're really going to like musicals or you're not going to watch it. Like, you know, 11, 12 year olds, they're probably into other stuff by this point, other than sort of Disney films. You, know, you get that age when you don't want to watch Disney movies anymore. You want to stretch yeah. out and watch, you know, action movies or. Well, well, you're movies. right, yeah. So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. So the way. The, the, what, what this film is must just be so alien to to children nowadays yeah like what, what would they be watching it's so it's such an odd film for a child to watch yeah even if it is a musical as you say by the time by the time you might have an interest in watching it you will already know whether you like musicals or not yeah and it's not even a great musical so you would probably wouldn't go to it so you get effectively it's only ever watched by people like us who are doing podcasts <laughs> like this talk about films like muses yeah, well, I think I think you know if you know, I think if you like musicals, you don't just you know sort of like the good ones. As I say you like films, you don't just like the good ones. You're interested in why a film is bad, um, as much as your why a film is not as successful, or what you know what are the good bits in a bad film. So I think it's it's sort of it's interesting to fans of musicals. You know, Alan Menken is is no is you know, it's always worth seeing what he's doing, and it became a Broadway movie. So, but I think yeah, I think its main problem is who are the audience for this? Who's going to watch this? I don't know. No. I don't know. I was, Certainly yeah. not me again. Not you again. I will say I did enjoy. <laughs> I enjoyed myself watching it, and I'm glad I did so. Before we get to the scores, but I, you know, there was a reason why I hadn't watched it until it came time for Weekend at Grumby's to pick an obscure and successful film to analyse. Yeah. Um, but that said, I think well, it's probably a good time to segue into our scores. Indeed. Join us for our scores, and join us uh, when James is going to announce that we're going to watch High School Musical three next month. <laughs> or Crocodile Dundee. Or Crocodile Dundee. Welcome back, dear listener. We have analysed the headlines from our views of muses. See what I did there? It wasn't a very good metaphor or analogy or pun or anything. I don't know what it was. It was terrible. We have thumbed we the front have... pages and now we will run our inky fingers over the editorial until we get to the price. Well, that's very good. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, OK, well, that... Um, <laughs> So, without further ado, I think that because it is Hugh's choice of film, Indeed. I get, to, I get to, to give you the first score. Yes, it is. Well, <laughs> it took you a while to get around the house there, but yes, I give it the first score. And I'm going to jump straight in. I'm giving Newsies three floating crombie heads. We've gone yep. through what I thought of it. I think I've made that very clear. I think it's a fun watch. First and foremost, I enjoyed myself doing it. And I think... It's the three floating comedy heads on the caveat of if you like musicals, this is, I think, a promising first draft of a musical. There was enough song and dance in there to enjoy, mm. despite its very obvious shortfalls in other parts of the musical, general plot um, and, and character leads. There's, there's stuff you enjoy in there. It's a good watch. Three floating comedy heads. Very good. Um, so for me, I think if you if you don't particularly enjoy musicals, this is the film that you should avoid at all costs because I don't think that this film is going to change your opinion about what a problematic genre of film 
musicals uh, present you with. The film for me was the very definition of underwhelming in terms of its technical specifications, i.e. the music and choreography. And it was the very definition of total embarrassment when it came to thinking about what was actually happening on the screen. My eyes rolled so much that I went blind for a little bit. And that period of time that I was blind was the most fun I had during the two hours and ten minutes that the film seemingly never ended. And because of that, I will be providing Muses with a very generous one disembodied crombie head. My goodness. <laughs> I've located your dancer in the dark. I think I think genuinely this is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. And if I didn't have to watch it, I would have turned it off within about 20 minutes. <laughs> sorry. I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> I just hated it so much. And I think during, during, during the discussion of the film, I, was, I felt like I was being as generous and open-minded as I could possibly be. But now it's come to the scores, I can really let rip. No. This film is, is... This is the bottom of the barrel. There is, there is the only. I mean, I would say there are no redeeming factors of the film. I suppose the, the only thing I would say on it is it's it's not as bad as um, it's not as bad as a morally reprehensible film, which which makes very moral and ethical problematic decisions. You know, I'm thinking of a film like Passengers um, or a film like Sausage Party. It's not as bad as it's. It, it's not. It's it doesn't. It doesn't make you bad. feel bad. You may not enjoy no, yourself, well, but you don't. It, you do, well, you it, may... yeah, it doesn't make me. I tell you what, it doesn't make me angry. <laughs> in that regard, as, as much as it might feel like I am angry, it doesn't make me angry. Yeah, yeah. It just. It makes me. It make, just makes me very uncomfortable. There you go. And I don't like that. So there we go. There you go. Uncomfortable, got, but not yes. angry. Is, 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 yeah. is, is, <laughs> so you you have your recommendation. Um, either it's a, a passable three or a worst film you've ever seen one. Yeah, I mean, oh, maybe that is a bit harsh. I don't know. Worst no, no, I've Well, I suppose by virtue of that I've given it one disembodied crumbie head, it, it is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Would I be right to <laughs> I this, is your fir- this is your first one. You're normally very generous to films. This is your first one, yeah. isn't it? This is my first one, yeah. And I'll be honest with you, there was there is there was no hesitation. And I appreciate, <laughs> I, I, I do appreciate that um, uh, your your description of the film is very eloquent, and it was actually a lot of it is very true. I don't I don't dispute any of that. And I think that if you are a musical fan, you will get something out of this. But if you're not a musical fan, you won't get anything out of it. <laughs> and 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 there are some musicals that if you're not a musical fan, you will get something out of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And this is this is not one of those films. This this reinforces my view of musicals. I would say that's a fair comment. <laughs> but nevertheless, nevertheless, we got through it. You watched it all. Did, thank thank you for watching sense. it all. Hey, you know, it still isn't the it isn't the shock of the one disembodied disembodied crumbie head I received with Phantom of the Paradise. No, or the slightly more anticipated disembodied for uh, Dancer in the Dark. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. A movie which continues to haunt me today. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like I, I know you, you said with with um, Dancing in the Dark that the music in it is totally unmemorable, and there's nothing yeah. in it that is of, of any interest at all whatsoever yeah. musically. Whereas I I I've got the earworms. <laughs> Dancing in the Dark. 
Yeah. Yes, no, so do I. I didn't say it was unmemorable. I said it was horrible. It's 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 stuck with me. I could sing it right now and it would be horrible. <laughs> what was the one that the little boy sings that really like? To do. I Brilliant. had to bludgeon the man with the typewriter. You did what you had to do. Now tell me how that is worse than uh, every morning carrying the banner strong and tall. <laughs> oh, God, it's so it makes me yancy, I just live in chancy. <laughs> they sing in, they no. dance, they do somersaults. Can you do a somersault? These boys are doing somersaults all over the place. I can't do a somersault. I smell but... money, you smell foul. Met this girl last night. Oh, so you, you, you brought oh, that out of <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's get into the next <laughs> film. Let's drag ourselves out of this, uh, this 1899 hellhole of, uh, of New York and get to what are we watching next month, James? Oh, excitement personified. So we move on from Newsies, mm-hmm. but we go back in time Ooh. to the early 70s. Oh. Um, in terms of when it was made, not in terms of the setting of the film, I should say. So in many ways, we go forward in time by a good 70 years. Could you give us the um, title, please? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the film that I've chosen for season two, episode four of Weekend at Crombies well, is then. the 1972 version of The Heartbreak Kid. That's the 1972 version of The Heartbreak Kid. I see. So it has been remade recently with... Um, well, I can't remember what the guy's name is. Who's the uh, bloke who's in Zoolander? Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Yeah, it's not that one. Okay. It, it's the original from 1972. Okay. I, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin, okay. That is as much as I know about it. Let's leave yep. it there until next month. Uh, sounds like a musical. I look forward to hearing it. <laughs> I think we've had enough musicals <laughs> for in for five seasons of Weekend. I think, I think we've certainly done the musical one now, yes. Yeah. Let's, let's not forget, we get a crumbies, we can't just do successful things, we have to dig out the obscure and the unloved. And oh, maybe we do, maybe yeah. there's a reason they are both obscure and unloved, that's what we're here to find out. Uh, but, you know, nevertheless, we have to shine the light. Absolutely. There's someone out there that likes uh, likes um, likes newsies, and we've championed It's you! <laughs> <laughs> yes, we found him! Here we go! Yeah, I'd say there's someone out there that also thinks Too Late the Hero is a perfect <laughs> film. <laughs> I'm worthy of two and a half hours of breakdown. Yes. (laughs) Indeed, I am my own unique publication. So, um, I think we've done it. I think we've got to the end of this. Uh, Thank you, listener, the singular, for staying with us. Um, uh, We will see you next month when we listen to The Heartbreak Kid. Um, And until then, I wish you a very merry weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. Literally, it's just season two, episode three, and the name of the film. You can say welcome if you want to as well. And oh, I will. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I'll, and... I'll, I'll, I'll jazz riff. Okay. Welcome, dear listeners, for episode... Oh, for bollocks sake. <laughs> how, how did your voice suddenly become incredibly deep? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, for I'm <laughs> <Thor. laughs> <clears throat> Welcome, dear listeners... For episode two, oh, is that right? Episode two, episode two point three. No, we're in season two, episode. Oh, that's it. Season two, right? Yeah, okay. Also, maybe ten percent less camp would probably be would hit the mark. Yeah, ten percent less camp. (laughs)
<laughs> I don't know that I can be 10% less can. You could be 10% more. Oh, well, easily. <laughs> um, welcome. Oh, hang on, you were laughing then. Right. Can you hear me? Take five. <laughs> it says I've got poor connection. Uh, yeah, no, no, the connection oh, right, is perfect. I can, I can hear you. Right, Take me. six. Right, okay. Welcome, dear listener, to episode... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Take seven. <laughs> Right. <laughs> welcome. Oh, right, okay. Um, Take eight. Welcome, dear listener. <laughs> Take nine. Normal. <laughs> welcome, dear listener, <laughs> to sing. Sorry, that was my fault. <laughs> Take ten. Okay. We're going to get to the point where it's not going to be funny anymore, and then it will get funny again. Right. How many times can you say welcome? Take eleven.